1: To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor.
2: Well, you continue to pray, as we mentioned, for Houston. I spoke just on the way here to Pastor Isaac. He told me that 24 inches have fallen in the last... Two days there, and the trouble is, it wasn't just a steady rain, it was all at once. But the Lord has protected the house there, and uh, it hasn't even reached the front door. It's as if the Lord has looked at the house and said, This far, no more. <laughs> so, praise the Lord for his dear protection. But, uh, but others, as we know, are suffering there. Wasn't that a great hymn for all the saints? What scene? That is, you know, through gates of pearl, stream and the countless hosts, singing to the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Wow, that's a great scene. Let's first of all look to the Lord in prayer. Father, do now open our hearts as we open your word, Lord, cause that what we will study tonight will become, uh, Lord, incorporated into us, change our lives, and make us the better children of God, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, now we're gonna look at a passage here, a very familiar passage, great chapter, Genesis chapter three, good to memorize it, and we're gonna look at the first six verses here, so follow along, please turn to that, Genesis chapter three, starting at verse one, Genesis three, verse one, as we're gonna look here at this such key passage here in the Bible, Genesis three, verse one, okay, now, This chapter, Genesis 23, is one of the most profound chapters in the Bible. To look at this chapter, we have to keep in mind the word for the book, Genesis, which means beginning, which means beginning. And there are so many beginnings in the book of Genesis, and it's very significant that once something is introduced for us for the first time in the book of Genesis, it's introduced with its paramount characteristics. And this chapter has the beginning of world history. This, in these short 24 verses, this chapter has the beginning of the trials of man. This chapter has the beginning of the sin of man. It has the beginning of the judgment of man. It has the beginning of the salvation of man. It's all right here in this chapter. This chapter does not contain allegory. This chapter is not a story. This chapter contains nothing but fact, pure fact. It's historical fact. The serpent literally spoke. The tree of life literally existed so that when a person ate of that, he didn't die. He had immortality. This chapter describes for us the first deception of man, and that's what makes it so important for us that we're gonna be considering now it lays out for us a pattern of all deception. And this chapter gives us a unique opportunity to understand this key strategy of the devil which is deception. This is the this is the this is the strategy that the devil uses to destroy man. It's the strategy of deception. So to understand Satan's strategy of deception is to equip ourselves, it's to make ourselves ready so that we don't let the devil get an advantage over us. And that's what's portrayed to us in 2 Corinthians 2.10. 2 Corinthians 2.10 lays out for us this understanding which says, to whom you forgive anything I forgive also. For if I forgive anything to whom I forgave it for your sakes, forgave I it in the person of Christ. And here's the important verse in verse 11. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us for we are not ignorant of his devices. See, here's what Satan does. He lays traps, he's constantly laying traps, he's laying traps, and deception is Satan's strategy to get people to fall into those traps. So when it says in 2 Corinthians 2.11, when it says that we are not ignorant of his devices, that means that we're not ignorant of Satan's devices of deception. This chapter opens with a statement It's a statement about the devil when it says, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, yea, hath God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. So like I said, this first verse here, it's not a myth. It's not a fairy tale. It's an accurate historical fact. And in this first verse, when we look at it, we have clearly laid out for us three foundational truths. Foundational truths. First, in verse one, when it says now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, we see for the first time in scripture that there is this clear disclosure that there is an existence of a spirit world. There's an existence of a spirit world. Anyone who thinks that we only live in a world of the material, he's already deceived. That person is already deceived. To have this revelation of the spirit world in this early chapter of Genesis shows to us the importance that we understand that there is an unseen spirit world. And within this unseen spirit world, there is a very real person who is introduced to us first here as the enemy, the opponent of man, the enemy of man, as a matter of fact, in the English translation of the Hebrew word Satan, Satan, that means in the English enemy or adversary, and that's how he's introduced to us here, as the enemy of man. That's the first foundational truth that we see in this first verse. The second foundational truth we see there is since our first revelation of this spirit who's an enemy of man, and therefore an enemy of God, since we see him here already on the scene, that we understand there must have been already a fall that occurred before man's fall. Therefore, this spirit is a fallen spirit, and the Bible reveals that this fallen spirit is not alone, but that he has companions who are called fallen angels or demons. Now, this fall of the devil is, is described by the Lord Jesus, when he said he saw this spirit fall from heaven in Luke 10:18. In Luke 10:18 the Lord Jesus said and he said unto them I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. The Bible tells us that Satan fell from heaven. And then the Bible tells us why Satan fell from heaven. Clearly in Isaiah 14, Isaiah 14 verse 12 where it says, how art thou fallen from heaven? O Lucifer, which means light, angel of light. O Lucifer, son of the morning, how art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I also will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high, yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. When you read that, when you listen to that description, there's one word that keeps on coming out. It's the word I. I will ascend into heaven, I will exalt my throne above the stars, I will sit upon the mount of the congregation. Satan fell from heaven because he sought to promote himself. He sought to promote himself with the big I, he sought to promote himself over God with all of these I will ascend and exalt and so forth. Now the third foundational truth that comes out in this verse is that from this passage we learn that the fallen spirit and the fallen spirits are like man in that they are able to reason. They are able to reason and we see this spirit here reasoning with Eve. This discloses to us how in order to reason these spirits have knowledge and with this knowledge these spirits are able to plan and they are able to form strategies for their plan, and they're able to carry out their strategies that oppose God. And it's these strategies that we are called to know when it says in 2 Corinthians 2.11, we are not ignorant of his strategies. In fact, the word there, the Greek word for strategies in that verse means purposes. We are not ignorant of his purposes, it means strategies to accomplish his purpose. We are not ignorant of the strategies that he has to accomplish his his purpose, which is to oppose God and man. So we're called on to know both his purposes, which all oppose God and man, and to know the strategies of Satan that he uses in order to accomplish his purpose of opposing God. We must know these. It's important for us to know these so that Satan doesn't get an advantage over us. And God has given us a weapon against these. And the weapon is called in the Bible the armor of God. And we are to put on this armor of God. And the reason for putting on this armor of God, which is described in Ephesians 6, the reason for putting on this armor of God is described to us in Ephesians 6.11. Ephesians 6.11 says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of of the devil, the word wiles is the word methods. It's where we get our word methods from. And that's the reason we're put on the whole armor of God, so that we can stand against the methods or the strategies of the devil. Now, in this verse, first verse here, we are shown an animal. It's a serpent, it's a snake. That's disclosed to us that Satan has entered into this animal, Satan entered into that snake. Not just any animal, but the snake is what Satan entered into, which leads us to ask the question, why? Why the snake? What is it about the snake that makes it the best animal for Satan to be associated with, to enter into? What is it about the snake that makes Satan best seen? And the Bible portrays Satan as a snake, as it says in Revelation 12, nine. Revelation 12, nine says, that great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He is cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Satan is called in that verse, that old serpent that deceiveth. And again, he's called that. In the final judgment of him in Revelation 22, Revelation 20, verse two, where it says, and he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. Now, our family, we used to live on the dirt road part of of Willow Road. How many know where the dirt road part is? Okay, I feel sorry for you. (laughs) That's where we used to live, where you lived there. We're right at the, the Little League Stadium, the Little League Diamonds there. used to be dirt right there. How okay. do remember you remember when it used to be dirt there? A couple of, yeah, the older guys, OK, good. So yeah, it was dirt, and you travel down three miles down there, and you come to our place, and you had to be really lost to end up at our place, but that's where we were. And we had 300 goats all around our house that were used in the business of making antibodies. And those goats were really around us. In fact, from our bedroom, we could throw a stone and hit all 300 of them. They were right there. We were one cozy, happy family, my wife and three boys and 300 goats. We were all together. And, and anyway, so we operated that business there for about 10 years. We lived there. And we had rattlesnakes. And on several occasions, we lost our goats to rattlesnakes several times a year, and we would find the rattlesnakes. One time we found a rattlesnake inside our house in the back room there, that was a shock. But we got to know, unfortunately, or fortunately, more unfortunately, we got to know a few things about rattlesnakes. And it was interesting, I mean, uh, they're terrifying, but it's interesting about snakes because where we found the snakes, we got to kind of know where they were likely to be. It was always in these kind of like uh, unclean places. It was like wherever it was. We had a rabbit tree up there on the side of the hill with uh, hundreds of rabbits, and, and we kind of knew where the snakes would hang out. It would be in those cold, damp, moldy places, like under something rotting, for example, or underneath a damp rock. And that makes a, that makes a snake a fitting symbol of Satan, because Satan's demons are called unclean spirits in Revelation sixteen thirteen. Revelation 16, 13 it says, and I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. Now, thank God when we read about that, of the devil being in the unclean places, that God has provided for us a remedy for uncleanness in the blood of the Lord Jesus and thank God in Zechariah 13:1 Zechariah 13:1 that there is this fountain that's spoken about a fountain it says in that day there shall be a fountain opened to the house of David to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness and, and in Revelation 1:5, Revelation 1:5, it tells us that the remedy for our uncleanness is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, when it says, "Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the first-begotten of the dead, the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in His own blood." Now another thing about snakes is that snakes are a lurking animal. In other words, they lay in wait for their prey and as their prey approaches, the snake relies on the element of surprise. That's the strategy of the snake. This is what the snake does and this is what Satan does. He lays in wait. He lurks, he wakes for his opportunity to strike the unsuspecting, and that's how the Bible describes Satan when it says in 1 Peter 5.8, 1 Peter 5.8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. He's portrayed there as walking about, looking for who he can devour. That's how we see him in the book of Job. In the book of Job, in Job chapter one, verse seven, Job one, seven, it says, and the Lord said unto Satan, whence cometh thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, from walking, from going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. So there we see him, he's looking, he's prowling, he's walking around. This going up and down in the earth is Satan's restless prowling, restless prowling. It says in Luke twenty-two thirty-one. 31, Luke twenty-two thirty-one. 31, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. And Peter was totally unaware that he was already in the crosshairs of Satan, that Satan had his eye on him. He was unaware that Satan was watching him. In Zechariah 3.1, Zechariah 3.1, it talks about Joshua. And it says there, and he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. I wonder if, if Joshua knew that, I don't think so that Joshua was standing there before the angel of the Lord and there was Satan also standing at the right hand, the right side of Joshua to resist Joshua and what he was trying to do for God and maybe Joshua didn't even know that, wasn't aware of it because the animal, the snake and the devil, they're lurking. Now another thing about snakes is that they're camouflaged. They really are very well camouflaged. They blend in so well with their environment. Anybody who spent time walking or hiking up Cow's Mountain or or out at Stonewall Ridge and you're shocked when you say, oh, I thought that was, oh, no, that's an animal, that's a diamondback rattlesnake. He blends in so well with the ground. They blend in because the snake appears to be what it is not. They're not part of the plant life, but they look like they're part of the plant life. They're not part of the small rocks, but they look like they're part of the small rocks because they blend in so well. That's a perfect example of Satan because Satan appears to be what he is not. The Bible calls Satan a transformed angel of light. He transforms himself into an angel of light. Second Corinthians eleven 14. Second Corinthians eleven fourteen 14 says no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. See, transforming himself into an angel of light, he becomes an angel of enlightenment, an angel of enlightenment. You know, he's the, he's the prince of deception and when a person is deceived, you know what happens? He thinks, ah, the light has just gone on. I've seen something I've never seen before. That's deception. And Satan, you know, when he came to Eve in this chapter here, in this passage we're studying here in Genesis 3, he didn't come in there to Eve and said, hello, I'm Satan, and I'm the enemy of God. I oppose everything that God does. Wanna talk? <laughs> no, that's not what he does. He transforms himself into an educator, into an eye-opener, into showing Eve something she never saw before. And as he does this, he's transforming himself into an angel of light. His name was Lucifer, the angel of light. He's an angel of enlightenment. We see him doing this with Eve as he comes with the voice of reason. Have you ever thought, Eve, that God told you not to eat of every tree of the garden? Which was, of course, false. God didn't say every tree. And then her mistake was she engaged. She engages, Well, no, let me, let me just make it clear. And once she did that, He's got her, he's got her, and then he can manipulate her, which is what he did. Now, the snake actually is a very beautiful animal. I mean, it really is. I mean, you look at it, it has a unique attraction to it. It almost glistens, but it's just very pretty. The coat of the snake, it can be black, it can be shiny, it can be multicolored, it can have deep shades of red, of orange, of yellow, and green. It's really very pretty and the color of the skin of the snake actually changes colors as he moves with his strange and really wonderful motions. When you look at a snake move, it makes you wonder. It's full of wonders. Now, if you forget about what the snake is and what he does, there's almost like an entrancing gracefulness to when he's moving his motions with this perfect coordination of his muscles as he moves around. And so this is used by the snakes because the snakes actually entice their victims because you know what they do? They spark curiosity. What is that? And that's part of their strategy. What is that? As the victims move in closer to closer and curiosity curiosity draws them and they allure in by their beauty for the kill. Even the rattle and the hiss of the rattlesnake, if you don't know what it is, it's kind of like, what's that? That's interesting.
0: That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program was brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.